Welcome to Heterodox Americana. This is a show about thinking outside the box and examining the conventional wisdom that informs how we think and shapes how we see the world around us. The question that we're ultimately trying to get at is, how do our unexamined ideas impact our ability to thrive as human beings? And it's our intention to unpack some of these ideas, take a fresh, heterodox perspective that hopefully leads us somewhere new. My name is Raphael Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Angie Backus, another one of your hosts. Mansplaining. We talked about it. We did an episode about it. But did we really talk about it? Did we really? I feel like I didn't get it all out. You didn't mansplain enough? I, we did. <laughs> that's, we, a, that's a joke. We, we got to take this idea apart. Okay. Um, it was called The Art of Mansplaining. And even in that, I feel like I didn't do. We, we got to dive in. We're back in. Got Man, it. Mansplaining 2.0. All right. Yeah, we got to do it. All right. First and foremost, I think, how can we talk about mansplaining without a definition? To my surprise, there was actually, because, you know, on the, on the last episode, I was saying, like, it's not a thing. And... Well, I stand by that. But I think I, I read the def- definition on the last episode. You you read somebody's definition. Sure. Are you about to read somebody else's? I, I'm going to read... Yeah. I mean, so two, right? I'm going to... One, there's... Um, I think we got to talk about Rebecca Solnit. Okay. Um, who people sort of look to as like the source for the term. She didn't say the term out of her mouth or in her book. She's sort of like, she wrote a book called Men Explain Things to Me. Oh. And then shortly thereafter, mansplaining was a word. Oh, that was the, that was the thing. What, do you know, like, what year? When was this? Uh, I think she wrote the book in 2008. Okay. And the term started hitting the webs in 2012. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, but, and, you know, Wikipedia is not authoritative, in any real meaningful way, but at least gives you a little bit of the history of the emergence mm-hmm. of the word. So I, I kind of at least want to look at, I want to look to Wikipedia to give us some semblance of... Some Wicca wisdom. Right, exactly. Okay. So I'm just going to read this, like this beginning of the entry. Okay. Mansplaining is a pejorative term of a man... Uh, to comment on or explain something to a woman in a condescending, overconfident, and often inaccurate or oversimplified manner. Solnit ascribed the phenomenon to a combination of overconfidence and cluelessness. Lily Rothman, who is from the Atlantic, defined it as explaining without regard to the fact that the explainee knows more than the explainer, often done by a man to a woman. Okay. Really interested in that in that part that says often. often. I, I thought you were going to stop there. Right. Um, and so the question is, really the question I, that I would pose to you, because you, you defended the term the last time around. I, I was open to what you were saying, but I think what I was drive, trying to drive home was that this is an emotional experience. It's a lived experience. So I think that's what I was trying to get across, that perhaps I've experienced this, perhaps women I have known have experienced this, 
And I thought we what I was saying, I think, on the podcast was, oh, we have a name for this. It's called mansplaining. These things that have happened to us <laughs> women for, you know, a long time. This is what it's called. It's called mansplaining. So my question to you is, how is it different? So, I, I mean, first and foremost, when a woman explains something to a woman, is that a different experience? You mean, would that not be called mansplaining? I mean, that, sure. Yeah, no, is, that is, it, would, is it different? That's the question. That's different because it's a woman explaining something to a woman. I think, you know, this this term, this Wikipedia term, um, condescending, it's... Um, uh, an assumption that the woman already is coming from a deficit. She knows less. The man assumes that she needs his help. Um, and I think your point is saying, well, what if a woman does that? She's assuming that this other woman doesn't know as much as she does and starts to explain something. Then what do we call that? Right. Like, does it have anything to do with men per se? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, and I think this is what we were talking about before, there's a lot of disparity with men and women in, in, the, in the United States. You know, other countries too, but we'll talk about the U.S. Well, the, um, fr- the French have a version of the word too. I yeah. forget what it is, but it's like, it's, it's the same thing, basically. How do you say uh, mansplaining it's in like uh, It's something like uh, m'expliquer or something like that oh. with mec meaning like boy and XPK meaning explain. Oh nice. Okay. Thank you for that. So <laughs> I don't I don't want to talk about necessarily other countries, you know, in the this context, but I think, you know, we have this history. I think this is what I was saying on the last podcast of, you know, women being um, you know, inferior in terms of the way that they've been treated in society. Um lower wages for the same jobs, um, took longer for women to vote. Um, they're still not getting hired in the same positions as men, even today. So, you know, there, there are these ways in which we already have an understanding that women are treated differently than men. And so there you go. There's your context, right? I mean, certainly I'll be the, I mean, I think we talked about what it means, uh, to be a woman in terms of why the government has already, um, well, why the government was already, uh, what's the, the, the word that I want? There's a class, uh, like a protected class in some sense. Oh, right. right. Okay. Um, and, and so for sure, no doubt about the history of inequality and discrimination and it, geez, if you go back, you know, far enough, just straight persecution of women, um, you know, this country was sort of, or at least this land, or the Europeans, whatever. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to be accused of, of mansplaining. Um, I think, yeah, never mind. You know what I mean? But uh, no, for sure. So you know, we'll concede to that. But there seems to be this dynamic in in the process of doing what. I mean, I was fine with the word explanation the way that it was and explain, right? But. Um, but it seems like there is maybe another power dynamic that is entering into what what could just be an explanation. But it seems like there are some other things. Um, and, and, and tell me if this is how you experience it or how you understand it. There are other sort of power factors that enter in from society that sort of get in the, the, 
the the exchange or the interchange or the explanation is that do you think that's what's happening yes i i think um yeah exactly i think there's a power dynamic yeah so you know one of my v so, this is not just because i'm a man right so this is nothing to do with my manness or my maleness okay uh more than anything i really want to get I like to understand what are the drivers of a particular dynamic. And the, the thing that has always sort of, uh, you know, the primary reason that I rejected the, the, the idea of mansplaining is because e even within the, the realm of looking at, let's say, what you might consider just regular, up to this point regular, not that they're natural, but just regular social disparities in the power dynamics between men and women. Um, but then this other term popped up, this term number two that got on my radar, it's called white-splaining. Hmm. And if you, look, you know, sort of look at the definition, and I have one somewhere, but it's almost the same in terms of how people describe their lived experience. It's black people, I think, primarily use it, although uh, there's at least one Asian-American blog who uses it as well. Um, it's white people explaining things to non-white people that they probably know uh, better, let's, where they explain need, you know, to use um, the, the other term, where they explain need probably understands the subject matter better than the explainer. Uh, the interesting thing about white-splaining, you know, I have a, you know, I, when I talk about lived experience, there was a, a time right before, it was about six months before we opened Uncle Bobby's. Right. Uh, Uncle Bobby's is a coffee shop and bookstore in Philadelphia. And uh, my partner at the time and I, we were we were at this other uh, coffee shop that had opened up. And it was it was like a breath of fresh air from it was such a relief because we were in a part of the city. Where there was like no coffee. And for me, that's like that's a non start. I was miserable. Oh, this is in Germantown. This is in Germantown. Okay. Uh, so we're, we're at uh, shout out to Germantown Espresso Bar, too just for the record. Uh, so we're at Germantown Espresso Bar, and uh, Mark was asking me if he should, so Mark is an Arabic student, and he was wondering if it would be advantageous to study French as a means of sort of closing the, sort of closing some of the conceptual gaps between, um, between the Arabic that he, he already spoke and just going further in the language. Uh, by that, I mean, the thing that was happening was there's a lot that is written about Arabic and Arabic linguistics that's explained in terms of French. He's like, you know, with no French, I, I don't know if I could, you know, sh should I do it? I started talking about the merits of French, whatever, out of the blue, you know, and, uh, you know, as, as a, I speak French, I understand the grammar well, I understand linguistics well, um, you know, philology, whatever, right? This woman, she... A white splainer? Yes, this white woman who didn't know us from... Didn't know us from Adam. She jumped in our conversation uninvited. And uh, she starts uh, to explain how French really works and uh, the grammar and what parts are hard and uh, what things he would need to consider. And a lot of what she was saying was sort of kind of undermining what I was getting at. Um, she didn't know that Mark and I also both speak Spanish, 
And I was really talking to him in a way of relating Spanish grammar to French grammar. But she just hopped in the conversation and started to explain in a way that like, like one, you're not, no one's talking to you. Like you're not welcome in this conversation. Two, I know more than about, you know, than linguistics than, than you do. And so does he, right? He just happens to have a, a different, you know, language repertoire than I do. But like, why are you, why are you in this conversation? Um, to end the story, she eventually starts talking about her failed attempt at a PhD. Um, and this was at the University of Pennsylvania. Mark starts asking her questions about uh, who she knew over there. And it, you know, she was a little slow on the uptake, but eventually she realized that all the names, because he was like, hey, do you know this person? You know this person? And she was like, eventually, she was like, how do you know these people? He was like, oh, you know, I worked with them when I was doing my PhD over at Penn. But I finished, right? It was like a very small sort of like uh, a jab that I appreciated. Um, and you would think that you would think that that would be enough for her to desist. You know, as like, hey, you know, I, I was a PhD student at Penn. I failed and I washed out and now I'm traveling across the country. Mark comes in and says, oh, I finished over there. I know all these people. Now I'm a professor doing whatever. Um, but that wasn't enough for her to desist. So she really kept on uh, kind of pushing her line and really taking up more space in a, in a, in a conversation that she was not invited to. Uh, and afterward, I, I, you know, I said, what do you think that was? Because it, it was a wild, it was a weird, it was a strange <laughs> experience mm -hmm. um, that I couldn't quite put into words. I was like, why does that feel so? Why does it feel so? My lived experience was that it felt bad. Um, he says, oh, you know, it happens every now and then that white people think they're the smartest people in the room and they have to explain things to you. Uh, and so I feel like I could write a book. This, you know, Solna's book is called Men Explain Things to Me. I could definitely write a book that's called White People Explain Things to Me, like without a doubt. And I'm not a funny writer, so it wouldn't do well in the bookstores. Kind uh, of funny. But, but it, thank you. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I could write that book. Uh-huh. So the, the way that other people have explained black, uh, white splitting and the way that I experience very much matches how I, you know, the, the descriptions of the lived experience uh, and definitions of white splitting. It feels like it might be the same phenomenon. Although with me as a man and this explainer as a woman, the gender dynamic is not at play at all. There's a different sort of dynamic. Obviously, maybe power and status still play in. But what do you make of that? Well, I hear that. And um, my question would be, why does that cancel out mansplaining? Why can't there just be different splainings? <laughs> what about... There's white splaining and there's mansplaining, but they both exist. So I wouldn't say that they cancel them. I, I mean, I, so my original, you know, in in episode, what episode was that? I will find out. Um, in, in the original episode of mansplaining, I was saying it's not a thing, right? And part of this was like hinged on the. Uh, we might ask another question this time around. Uh, that is to say, what does it mean for something to be a thing, or what does it mean for something to exist, or how do we know a thing is real? 
Uh, I, I think in the case of mansplaining, what you have is a a, a set of experiences by a woman collective uh, that are so identifiable or relatable that other women can can say, oh, I, I've had that experience. Uh, that's a thing. I, I totally know what you're talking about. You don't even need to explain. The minute I heard the word, I knew what you were talking about. Right? That the, the, there's an experience, right? It's phenomenology. There, there's an experience that emerges out of all these different women's experiences that they can all point to and say, you know, I understand this thing. And whether it's a thing or not, I don't know, it's maybe a philosophical question, but there's something that they're feeling in common mm -hmm. that, that, that they can all identify with. Right. I think if we take, you know, the individual, let's say, experiences of, you know, Jill was explained to by Bradford and uh, Allison had something explained to her by Jeremy, and, and we look at them individually and not their overlap, then it feels like it's not a thing. I think the only the way that we understand it being a thing is to sort of look at them all together and say, is there any commonality? But if, if whitesplaining has the same lived experience commonality as mansplaining, then maybe the driver for mansplaining isn't the fact that he's a man and she's a woman. Or maybe the driver for whitesplaining isn't the fact that this person is black and the other person is white. Like, maybe the driver is something different than that. I, like, I mean, I don't know. Like power. Like power or status or prestige or some other perceived or, you know, maybe barely perceived thing. But if in one case a woman is doing it, let's say to me, in another case a man is doing it, let's say to a woman, like, and it feels like it's the same thing, it's described the same way, uh, maybe gender is not the, the driving force. That's interesting. And um, it's definitely worth taking a look. I mean, maybe that would be power splaining. I'm still kind of caught in this, um, you know, this, as you described it, this phenomenology um, that this is, this does happen to, or, you know, women have agreed with each other and some men have agreed with women that this does happen. Um, I want to ask you personally, personal question. Um, do you notice if you are in a room with a woman or women, or even if you're watching like a show on TV, a talk show or some kind of like maybe male driven show with one or two women there, have you ever seen a pattern in this type of behavior? Have you witnessed this? Well, so I mean, I could say yes to a lot of, of what you, for me, you know, I, I don't want to get mired in the differences between men and women, but as a person who's like, I'm constantly listening to language and how people speak, and I pay a lot of attention to how people talk. And there, there's, there are some market differences in how men communicate and the types of things that they're eager to communicate. Um, like say, for example, I, I think most of the English speaking audience, if you have Yelp or, you know, whether you're English speaking or not, if you have a Yelp and you look at Yelp reviews almost without looking at the pictures, just by reading it, you can probably tell if a woman or a man wrote the review. Oh, that you're getting a little dicey. I, I'm, I'm just saying like men get straight to the point. 
And women are like, well, you know, it was my sister's birthday and I wanted to take her out. It was like, listen, no, can we just get right to it? Um, what is that? The, the Fox, Fox P2? Fox the Fox uh, P2 that women use more words, so. It, it, it could be a thing. So what I noticed when men talk to each other, and it, it also happens when men talk to women, uh, but I tend not to see it when... So let's talk about when I see... I, I've been in conversations where I've seen men talk over women. Um, and I've watched the woman's face as she got more frustrated. Um, and there was at least one time in my life. Uh, it, was a, it was a woman friend. And I, we were at a bar, so not everybody was um, you know, completely at their, like, their, their best. Um, but it was a woman friend and two guys... And I and we were talking about I don't something semi just not fun for a bar. It was probably the role of women in Islam. Or I, I think I think that's what it was. Um, and the one guy kept cutting her off, uh, talking over Maya, uh, and, and the other guy did as well. And, and there were a few times where I I'll use an SJW term here. I made space. For her so she can get ideas so i kind of you know i put my hand out and calmed the one guy down um just like hushed him so that Maya could finish her idea so so that she could get it out uh, but i saw the frustration and you know i had my own complex about like jumping to the rescue is that the right move whatever you know i feel super guilty about that kind of thing um but uh, I, I did see her frustration and i've seen that that level of frustration happen enough when men talk over women uh I've also heard women describe it as men talk over me. This happens all the time. But there's another thing that happens when I think women are not around. It's just all men. Men talk over each other. I was just going to ask that. Do you do you note this, that men, like what was happening to Maya, could you have seen a man in that position? Absolutely. So according to where you're going now with what you're kind of describing is that perhaps men talk over or to lots of people, well, lots of genders. All the genders. All the genders, because <laughs> there are a lot. All the genders. Okay. Uh, yeah, so there, there's at least one really good example where I think anybody, uh, maybe not anybody, but if you have access to either, net, probably Netflix, there's like an interview. It's Chris Rock, it's Jerry Seinfeld, and two other comedians. I wish I could remember who the other two were. Um, but there are four comedians. They're all men. I remember this. And one could barely get a word out edgewise. They're all talking over each other, right? But Jer I wonder if that's a comedian thing. Like, that's comedian explaining. It certainly <laughs> happens with my friends. Yeah? Lots of times when I'm out with my male friends, I'll have people. And then, you know, I, now that I think about it, there is a status slash power dynamic to it. Uh, the the eldermost of is that a word? Uh, the eldermost I'm going to use it uh, of of our friends uh, and certainly the most established. They talk over the younger and least established of our friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, I try to be graceful and not do that at all. Um, but that is, and I don't know if that's part of the dynamic either. Uh, but certainly amongst my just all male friends, if there are four of us or five of us, they people talk over each other. It's totally a thing. So. If I'm hearing you, what you're trying to get to is that maybe there is something about this that isn't just um, directed towards this mansplaining a man and a woman. 
you're saying that you, you talked about drivers, right? right? We talked about one of them maybe, you know, throughout power. Maybe that's a driver. What else do you think could be, like, what are your ideas about the drivers? So, I mean, here, here here's what I noticed. And this may be one of the reasons that, that I think status might, you know, status is tricky. Uh, because status moves in ways that I think, you know, can I say something about status? Sure. I think when most people think about status, they think about, like, watches and cars and who the CEO is. And that's not what I mean. Uh, we're all involved in a status game, and mostly status gets arranged around what your values are, right? So if you are, let's say, you know, a religious person who believes in not acquiring much, and then your neighbor just buys a new BMW, you might say something like, oh, I would never buy that car. And what you're doing is you're asserting your status along a particular value axis mm -hmm. that might be different than theirs, but status is still important to you. Some other, you know, Shane Claiborne comes along. And you're like, Shane Claiborne's like a Christian person that some uh, Christian leftist people really like, right? Um, Shane Claiborne comes along and said something that's pithy and, you know, probably Shane. not, you know, what? what? I, I know Shane Claiborne. Yeah, I mean, whatever, right? Yeah. He's, he's written a book or something, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, comes along and says something pithy and leftist Christians go crazy for it, but it's because he has a higher status along that axis. Uh, no one's going to care about what kind of watch he drives or what kind of, you know, boat he has. But they might care about how long he spent, you know, helping the homeless in Kensington or something like that. You know, it's a different kind of status. Uh, I say all that to say that we're all engaged in some kind of status play, even if it doesn't necessarily line up with this sort of like public like idea. Or... Exactly. Uh, so. So I wonder, and race has status too, right? Um, this might seem on the face of it controversial. But if you think about it, you'll just kind of understand how true it is. White people have a higher status in this country, right? It's just like, that's it. I'm going to make that statement. I think it's absolutely true. I think you could probably work it out. And there are other ways to see it play out in action, but I, that's a different show. Um, and so maybe the thing that I was feeling when when we were at Germantown Espresso Bar. Oh, and, and I'll say something else that I think is probably just controversial. Dollars, you know, nuts to boat, soup to nuts. I'm so bad with the names. Um, you started dollars to donuts. Dollars to donuts, soup to nuts. Last time I looked. Lemon's the line. That's right. Um, but men have higher status than women, too. All things considered, right? Um and there might be some a few communities where that gets flip flop, but I think that is sort of that's the the part of the hierarchy that, that we live in, right? Um, call it patriarchy if you like. Uh, so so maybe the driver, and I'm not sure, but maybe the driver is status. That would certainly explain white splaining and and mansplaining in the same way. But there are a few other things that popped up as I was looking into this that Let's I was hear. I was like, oh this. So almost the same explanation, right? Okay. Uh, almost the same definition. Just you swap out man for woman. So there is, I have to look at my list, is goisplaining. Goisplaining? Goisplaining is when non-Jews explain to Jews things that the Jews probably know better than, than this non-Jew, than this Gentile. Uh, like how anti-Semitism works or this is what, you know, mm. you know, this is the real meaning of kosher or, or this is what the covenant is actually about. Um, 
or you know like you know something about uh you know who the mother the you know um matrilineal versus patrilineal just some non-jew explaining to a jew like something they think they know better goise planning planning. i was like i didn't know that was a term but like when you get a feel for it it feels like the same phenomenon as mansplaining and whitesplaining there's also heterosplaining which is sometimes called straight-splaining this is all out there well wait who's splaining who's the heteros explaining so heterosplaining or (laughs) straight-splaining is when straight people explain lgbtq issues Uh and problems to people who don't identify as straight as hetero i see so actually i mean you say non-binary but the term is actually gender non-conforming and the non-binary person is like uh excuse me like right this would be an example of straight splitting uh or did you know that, you know, whatever, did you know that there was no gay identity before, you know, some year or whatever, like right, people right, just, and, you know, the queer person is like, mm, I don't need you to explain this history to me. Like maybe I've read a book that you haven't uh, or whatever it is. So straight splitting, also called heterosplaining, seems like it's also a word out there. It's a phenomenon that people are having a lived experience around I see. and are talking about it. This is so interesting. Are there more? I have cisplaining. Cisplaining. Cisplaining is where cisgender people explain trans issues to trans people. Okay. Uh, and uh, I've even seen the term butchsplaining, hmm. which is where when butch lesbians um, explain femme performance or how femmes present in the world or just femme presentation to femme presenting lesbians. And, you know, I had a hunch. I was like, I wonder if there's a top splain, but I looked and there isn't one, and we don't need to go into that. But if, if, there, if so many groups, let's say that it seems like if there's anything they have in common, it's, like, it's a power or status or perceptual status issue. And I'm not sure that that's the driver. But if I'm reading people's lived experience, you know, uh, the experience of Jews who are being explained to by Goy the experience of blacks are being explained to by whites and women being explained to by men. If they all have this sort of same language around the lived experience, maybe, maybe the driver isn't the man and mansplaining. Maybe the driver is something different. Hmm. <clears throat> yes, I hear that. Um, I'm wondering about. The difference, though, of, yeah, I guess I'm still considering what it means to be the the lesser status. Well, I guess, you know, you could say that could be the common denominator, perhaps. I don't know. Not really. But for women, there's still this, you know, this history of not having you know, as much as a man does, or not being as um, valued as men. So would that, do you, so the, the mansplaining there is, um, I think, this long, long history of women having to always had to um, bow to the patriarchy, right? So this is like not new. Um, it's not, you know, just appearing on wikipedia we just have a name for it 
Um, and I think that whole disparity of, you know, not just, I mean, certainly power, certainly status um, and income and livelihood and a woman, you know, for the most part um, early on, not even really leaving the home. So, you know, the man goes right. out into the world and he comes home and he's got so much to tell her and she doesn't really know as much because she's not even out there, you know, and what does this look like in terms of the mansplaining part generationally that this is kind of how men have always performed with women, right? So it's right. not anything new. I, uh, listen, I have no pushback. You'll get no argument from me. It, it's just in terms of that. Um, I think that... But I'm wondering if that's why this can, can be a term. Well, let's look at the other... Let's look at all these other axes. Um, I think if you look at the historic, let's say, disparity between both the status and the roles and, you know, the sort of the roles in society, I mean, uh, of blacks and whites, I think that that history is just as long. True. Um, I think, it, you know, a, along the, the gay straight line, it's certainly long, but it wasn't necessarily visible because gay people understood that, you know, if I reveal myself, I'll be dead. True. Um, but I think in terms like even that in and of itself is like a really long, uh, you know, axis of this thing. And I'm not sure that it's different. Um, you know, I, I don't know if people have the language to make sense out of trans versus cis, uh, you know, 100 years ago or 150 years ago. But I, I, I would argue that to the degree that someone felt um that they had some gender dysphoria or it's just non-matching that that there would not have been a place for that in in what at the time you, you wouldn't have called it a cisgender person but they're they're just they're, like i'm saying like there wouldn't have been a place where you could say um i i, I you know I, i'm in the wrong body or i feel like a, you know i'm actually a girl or something like this is like there wouldn't have been a place for that not without you getting like potentially hurt Mm -hmm. um, if, if not killed a, right. as an adult um, and, and certainly you know the status of Jews in this country works the same way between Jews and Gentiles so you know, I, I think the history sort of lines up in all of those cases um, to sort of speak to the same thing so then if this is a phenomenon and it crosses different you know um, that it crosses gender, it crosses race it crosses what what What's the name? What do we call this? Well, I mean, like we said in, I mean, I, what was that? Like we said in the article, like I said in the article, explain. I mean, I, I don't know what to call it. Actually, there's another term out there. I think it's called uh, teaching grandma to suck eggs or something like that. What? I have no idea what you're talking. About. I think that's that's. I think that's what people are calling it. Teaching teaching grandma to suck eggs. You're really going to have to break this down, Rafael. I have no idea. How does this even... It's when someone who assumes that they know more... Will teach the grandma how to it, suck the egg? I mean, just, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a colloquialism. But people, you know, it's like, you know, if you're explaining to someone who probably knows more, you haven't even read the book or you haven't considered it at all. And this person is like, here, like they know... Like, you don't need to tell... I mean, you you don't need to tell grandma anything. She knows. Right? She knows how to suck right, the she, egg. 
Right. She's been around the block. <laughs> right. That's all I'm saying. Like, right, right, right. Grandma's done. <laughs> Talk about lived experience. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, but, but to me, the pejorative part of mansplaining and the fact that it pops up in so many different dynamics, right? Uh, it feels like mansplaining. So I was saying before that it's not a thing. And maybe this lived experience is a thing. But mansplaining to me feels, one, like the wrong word. Thing, two, I think it gives men actually more power than, um, than, than is actually there. Uh, because it, it, it takes this entire dynamic that happens in all these different realms. It's really a social phenomenon. And it just attributes it to, to the power of men and patriarchy. And I, I think that's not quite, oh, that's I think that's not quite it. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, teaching grandmother to suck eggs seems like a, a lo- like not near, it doesn't roll off the tongue in the same way. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. Yeah, that's interesting. So are you saying, you know, it, even just in wanting to do this, like kind of break this down, is that the reason why? Because you think that it causes harm this this term or this idea like why do you want to even expose it like why like why do i even you yeah know, why, who do, why do you care i mean if grandma's gonna suck the eggs then why care so as as bad term you know i maybe it's the language person to me i don't like bad terms because i feel like bad terms always it it, it forces people it doesn't force people it tricks people into uh taking something at face value and then you miss all these other things that are happening in, in the background right and so you know the, the harm that comes out of you know for me when people conflate racism and xenophobia there, there's a harm that comes out of misnaming it um because you don't understand the drivers and i would argue that the drivers of xenophobia are different than the drivers of racism right huh. i think that they're different than the drivers of what you might consider um you know discrimination to potentially or even something like systemic racism, which is like, you know, we're in this moment where people talk about systemic racism. And it seems like everyone understands it. Um, and then it, it, it's really a bad term. Right? I mean, racism at its core. So you'll, there, there are some, some, some arguments out there that racism is necessarily aligned with power. And uh, there needs to be some institutional power behind the person. And because of that, black people can't be racist. Um, only white people can be racist. Uh, which is, on the face of it, ludicrous. But I think once you really dig down deep, what you actually find is that it's still ludicrous. It's a ridiculous idea. It's, well, a, it's a stupid idea. You, you might need to say why, because this is a very common held belief. So you've just opened a can of worms. So, I don't know what you're doing with that can. Right. Well, I mean I, I, I mean, I guess we're, we're talking about what happens when we choose the wrong right, word. Right. But... So, I mean, let's talk about this can of worms. The idea that black people can't be racist is, um, one, it's ridiculous. Two, it's stupid. Uh, and three, I think more than anything else, it just uh, it shows that people don't own dictionaries. Uh, because if we just went as far as looking at the dictionary then we could see that there's like a pretty clear explanation, right? That racism is the belief that one group is inherently, in, you know, inferior or superior to another group. 
Now, you can introduce these power elements if you like, but really start doing something other than a phenomenon that emerged. You know, if we start looking at the emergence of racism, there are all these things that are, you can talk about power that, that weren't there at the beginning. You know, once these people who start to look at, so can I, I'm just going to name these people. Right? Okay. Might as well. Once we have the neo-Marxists who see power relationships in everything, uh, once we have, you know, the, the neo-Marxist academic and Marxist academics who says, well, actually, there's a power element to it because they see power everywhere. Right? This is like there's power in the grocery store, you know, checkout line person versus a customer, like whatever. Right. Um, all I'm saying is that the word had a meaning before that analysis, uh, the meaning of racism. And it's about a belief system. Uh, I, I know people who are black who have really racist ideas uh, about people who are Asian American or people who are Asian immigrants or, you know, people who are Muslim. But do you think racist ideas are different than the act of racism? Like whatever that power is that, you know, there's systemic racism um, that doesn't exist without white people. Right. So, I mean, you're on to something. And I want. So here, here, in fact, is the problem. Uh, one, racism is about beliefs, right? And you can treat people a certain way based on those beliefs, or you can hold a belief and, and not treat people that way. Uh, but racism is about the belief. It's a belief that no matter what, and you know, I, like racism is incorrigible. I, I, I knew a woman once who, she was a white woman, she adopted a, um, you know, she adopted a black son. He was somewhat old already. Uh, he's from Liberia. And, um, she didn't believe in his ability to succeed in school. Um, she gave him every potential easement, every potential facility to allow him to really mess up in school and not do his best. Uh, and it seemed like, in some ways, it felt like a helicopter mom. I just want to make everything easy for my kid. But the belief underneath that and she articulated it almost in these exact words she was like well he's black anyway so like it's not like he's going to be able to do the hard work Whoa. um and she didn't say quite say hard work but it was like oh this is hard but he's black and he's not going to get it and you know in my head i was like you are the, you're the wrong person to make this adoption but I, I, you know, I don't know who does that work to, to, to be the right person who makes that adoption, right? Um, she didn't think of herself as racist. She didn't. No, I mean, for so many people, the idea, for, so for so many people, the idea of racist when you think it was like, you know, I hate black people. Uh, I have a Ku Klux Klan hood. I can't wait right. to go, you know, to the next, you know, cross burning rally. rally. Yeah. That's what they think of. Right, right, right. And I'm saying it doesn't have to be that. You know, we'll, we'll take the structural stuff, you know, in a different way. We're clearly off mansplaining, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, but it's just a belief that, so, you know, she may not have even articulated the, the notion to herself that um, she believes that black people are inherently inferior. Like, that may not have been articulated to herself. Right. But her belief underneath that there's no way he's going to get it, he's just not smart enough. Right. Um, not not looking at the fact that he's from a war-torn country, not looking at the fact that he started learning English when he was, uh, like, relatively... I mean, he's fine in his native tongue, uh, but he started learning English really late. 
Uh, I look at the kid, you know, I was like, well, how about he, he do poetry, right? If there's a, turns out, on my suggestion, I was like, why don't you look at poetry? Turns out he's a phenomenal poet now. Hmm. Like, amazing. Wow. Ha- had some difficulties with the English language, and those language difficulties played out in his education, right? It was like so much of the problems that he was facing around education actually had to do with his grasp of the English language, which nobody really worked on. Hmm. Um but now he does poetry, and it's, it's mind blowing. Wow! Um, but you know, this is like a, a tangent upon tangent. Uh, all, all I'm saying is that if it, it's about the beliefs, she had a belief of, about her own adopted son uh, that was racist. But um, but but that definition of racism is completely different than when people talk about systemic racism. People are talking about systemic racism. It's not about beliefs at all. It's about these other structures that get it. It's really a bad. It's a bad term. It's a bad term that doesn't necessarily have to do with racism whatsoever. It has to do with something. Uh, it's certainly racialized, it, but it's a bad term. And I think when people conflate the terms, uh, there are other people who push back and say there's no such thing as systemic racism. And that's true if the word that you're using is racism. Um, and their ideas of what that looks like. Right. So this, which I think it was a very, um, you know, uh, important tangent, tangent, but, um, so this is kind of the crux of the argument. The words matter, um, of how we look at things. Otherwise categories get all mucked up and we start to believe something that, perhaps is different than what's actually happening. I, I think so. And, and I think it, so two things happen, I think, at the lived experience level, right? If we use mansplaining, three things happen. One, uh, lots of men, not all men, some men are fine with the term, but there are, let's say there are a number of men for whom they'll find the, the, um, the, the term offensive, their emotional defenses might go up, and their ability to, let's say, you know, have a reasonable, I don't want to say have a reasonable argument, but they're going to be bringing something emotional into the conversation that didn't need to enter into the conversation because they might feel attacked, right? Um, so that's one thing. And maybe it's a minor thing, right? Some people might say, oh, boohoo, men, I don't feel that way. But let, let's just say that's a minor <laughs> thing. Uh, the two bigger things is that if we call it mansplaining, you know, you know, does that, and then we start to use it. So, one, do we over, once there's an availability heuristic, once we understand that this term exists, do we then start labeling every conversation where that feels bad between men and women? Do we then start labeling, labeling all of it mansplaining? And two, do we miss the phenomena that happen out in the world that have nothing to do with men and women? Do we miss those phenomena because it's not mansplaining? There's no man woman dynamic involved. Well, apparently we haven't missed it. Because there are lists of it. Well, well, I think that actually speaks to the point. If this had been sort of correctly identified in, you know, to begin with, and and people saw that it's not a male female driver, but there's this other driver, hmm. then then there we wouldn't have all these derivatives like goy splaining right, and right, white splaining right. and straight splaining. Like it's because the original word didn't do what it was supposed to do. It was a it was hmm. a bad word. So it's something that's happening across many lines, and we've narrowed it into this word that's more common than I've never heard of some of these terms. Right. You've never heard voice planning or cis-planning? I've, cis- I've not. <laughs> I've, I've not. 
Um, but you're saying if we were really looking at the the core, the the real drivers, we'd have um, something like an umbrella that would carry all these terms, right. or have that would cover all these terms. Uh, right. I mean, that's what I think. Well, don't we? Because grandma sucks eggs or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. We. So may. I mean, clearly that. <laughs> Clearly, we need a better one than that. <laughs> we, we definitely do. Um, uh, you know, I, I, as someone who, I mean, you talk to people about their feelings all the time. Uh, in the in these cases, when people, you know, when this is their their lived experience, irrespective of gender or the way they look or any, anything else, uh, how how would you describe what it is that? that you think that they're they're feeling sort of at the emotional and defense, like what's happening there? Well, I, I have a client in mind that, um, but it's, he's on the man end of this. Uh, he's a very, uh, he's a, a, a beautiful person. He's on a very, um, he's, he's really conscientious. He tries really hard to listen to people when, you know, they're in pain or if he's inflicting pain. And he's had this term, um, I can't I, mean, I can't tell you what he does, but he, he's a teacher of sorts. And so I think oftentimes he finds himself um, teaching a, a, a particular thing. And... Um, he has encountered this person, this, this woman, who often will tell him he, he's mansplaining. And he, um, he's been hurt by this. You know, he gets hurt. He doesn't know what to do because he's very, like I said, he's really conscientious. And he doesn't know how to work around what it means to be conscientious and be the teacher and not tread on what, this person, you know, her feelings. I mean, I could tell you all about the process because we, there's a process to this and he's psychologically doing something. But this was, you know, it's always kind of interesting to me that people kind of get caught because they don't want to do the thing. And so you're asking me, how do people kind of work with this in terms of feelings? You know, certainly I've, I've heard many, many, many women talk about being mansplayed too. I have my own experiences but it's interesting to hear this guy who really doesn't want to mansplain but he feels like he gets caught all the time in this kind of accusation of mansplaining so there's it sounds like there's some harm can i i want to i want to ask you about that side i also want to ask you about what's happening on the other side um when people feel let's say that you know listen from the lived experience, you know, I'll talk to my, you know, even about myself. I, I felt really annoyed. I feel annoyed when when people explain to me things they already know. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times they're explaining. Like I had someone explaining myelination to me, which is like a, you know, whatever. Um, and I felt like I know I don't need you to explain myelination to me. I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had asked me a very specific question uh, before that. I said, "Hey, do you know what this thing is?" Like, I know. So explain the entire process. Uh, in explaining one part of the process, he spent a lot of time explaining this other part of the process that I already knew. And my internal feeling was like, I already know, I don't need you to explain this to me. But he didn't know what I knew. Yeah, but did you feel, because the, the, one of the key components is con- 
you know, that, that's condescending. So, you know, he didn't know what you knew. You had already informed him that you didn't know what this particular part. It sounds like it was connected. So he went into detail about another part that's connected to myelination. By the way, I don't know what it is, but you don't have to explain it to me. But um, not yet. Um, but I think, you know, a component of this is noting that you're being kind of talked down to, like pat, pat on the head. Um, Here, dear, let me help you. You may not know. I mean, I, I told you, you know, my experience, I've, I've had, you know, women can say this as, you know, as sure as I'm sitting here, many women could sit and say the same thing. Right. I've had men explain to me after years of me dr driving a car and pumping my own gas this was not that long ago. A guy started to tell me how to, you know, pump the gas, like what I was doing and what I should do. I'm thinking, my God, I've been driving right. forever. And, you know, and I did take a moment and thought, what could I picture? I mean, certainly, you know, it's in the world. Certainly a woman may give me the same advice. In my idea of how life works, that is not my experience, that a woman would come up to me and start right. talking to me at the pump about how I need to hold the pump and it would, you know, the gas would flow easier if I did this thing. Um, or, um, you know, being at the dollar store and buying, you know, double-sided tape and the guy gives me all of the information right. unsolicited about what double-sided tape is best and what it's used for. So there are some of my examples. Right. I, I, oh, there's so much. This, ah. um, so... I, there's a question, and it's a sincere question. The feeling of being talked down to versus the feeling of being explained to when you already know something. Mm -hmm. Is that distinction Is that distinction happening in the head of the explainer, or is that distinction, like, do they think they're talking down to you? Um, I've been in situations where I, I believe that the man has been aware that he's talking down to me and i did feel the power shift okay um it was you know i used to be a, a, a social worker for children and i've been in courts and you know i've had workers dhs workers talk to me in a particularly condescending way um that could be about you know something else but that's happened um but, you know, if I look at these two examples, did they know that they were being condescending? I doubt it. Um, but that's part of it because I think it it's not realized. It's, it, it, it feels condescending. It feels like you poor thing. Um, and, you know, I think this is the common reaction for women. It's like, I, I'm, I'm fine. So I, if that's the case, I would say, you know, when... Um... You know, I mean, this is a person who's a very good friend. I think of him as a mentor. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Um, when he was talking to me about myelination, I, I, I felt like there was a little condescension. Hmm. Um, but, but that is really just, I think, I don't think that was his intention at all. And I don't think that's what was happening for him. Uh, I think it just had to do with some level of my ego being bruised. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it was on my part, and I don't. Or maybe there's an interplay. I don't want to say that nothing was happening, but it, if if I have to be as objective as I can about all of my other, you know, conversations with him, I don't think that that was the thing that was happening in terms of his intention. I think is what was happening with my feelings. I felt like it was somewhat condescending, 
but but that was like my ego stuff. Like I I already know this, but mm-hmm. you don't have to tell mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to say something quickly about the gas pumping thing, which uh, is maybe a little bit odd. Was was the guy older? Yes. So, so here's another bizarre phenomenon. I don't want to justify this, but I, I, there's a thing. There's a phenomenon that's out there, right? This is a crazy phenomenon. I had a friend on Facebook recently post, you know, some some saying that was like, there are women out there who your man is letting you pump your own gas, and if your man is letting you pump your own gas. And then he ends up not being worth a damn. Well, now you understand what happened. The implication is like, there are some men who are so unmanly that they would dare to let women pump their own gas. The, the sort of further, you know, I mean... That would the t- be the definition of a man, that he would right. take over the gas, yeah. That is to say, in his world, women should never pump their own gas. Right. Never, ever. Now, I, 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 so foreign to me, completely foreign to me, but he lives in a world where lots of women on his page were like, that's right. He was getting all these likes and you know what I mean? There were a few people you know, who were like, look, I ain't pumping nobody's gas, but mostly, <laughs> mostly his, probably one of them. his crowd, I mean, I just like, my mind was blown. I said nothing. Uh, Mostly his crowd was in agreement that the value is That's interesting. that a woman should never pump her gas. That's interesting because then you're, you are actually accepting the power differentiation. You're saying um, you are, in some ways, more powerful. You should pump my gas. That's almost inviting this idea that somehow I need to be taken care of or you need to give me advice or maybe I don't really know about how to pump gas. Um, and I am in your camp. Um, you know, I, I believe, you know, that, you know, women can pump gas. Women should certainly <laughs> and do pump their own gas. I don't know any woman really that would say, well, I probably do. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I think that's an acquiescence to almost this, this phenomenon, which is interesting because it kind of gets things going, um, in a way that kind of upholds it, right. you know, and then it's confusing. So if that's the case, and this guy is older, if if the older guy comes from a paradigm where the only women, in, I mean, I don't know, right? But if he's old enough to come from a paradigm where women don't pump gas, and then he sees a woman pumping gas, he might be like, what is a woman pumping gas? Do you know what you're doing? I mean, you know, um, I, I don't know. But that, that, and also, you know, there's a woman pumping gas, do you know what you're doing? But if that... You know, and I guess I made this point, but I want to make it clear. If you're in that camp that men are to be caretakers, you're already kind of setting yourself up for what would look like mansplaining, right? Right. So you're inviting that to some degree. And if the man is in that camp that men take care of women in these particular ways, then mansplaining would be the, you know, it would be the the soup of the day. It's, you know, if I'm putting together a cabinet and, you know, some, I don't know, some man's walking down the street and sees me putting together a cat, I don't know, um, and thinks, wow, she's doing this manly job, um, maybe I need to go help her. Because in his mind, he's saying "That's that's a job for a man and she might need some help. So, I mean, this, 
now it's even more interesting, and I, I don't I don't know if we have enough time to explore it, but like there there could be you know if there are more than than just one driver, uh, mm-hmm. it could be that there's a clash of values as well. Right, it's a that, value. Yeah, uh, that that's a value. I should pump the gas for the woman. That's a held value. And you know, if a man said that to me, which is interesting, if there is this gentleman that felt that he should be pumping the gas for a female and saw me and came over and said, no, 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 let me get that for you. Um, I, I, could, I could hold both. I could hold that he's trying to be a gentleman, but I also would be holding, you really are, you know, you're assuming a lot about me right now. Right. One, you're assuming that I want you to do this. You're assuming that I don't know how to do this. You're assuming that I'm weak too weak to do this Mm, or that I shouldn't be doing this and there would be I would be thinking this is a mansplainer but I think you're right the value for him to set for and and some women who might agree would say no he was being a gentleman he's coming over to help you pump your gas and that's that's the right thing to do this is interesting yeah I mean I, 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 I certainly I mean, I, I get it, right? I, I, I get the phenomenon. I, I think people's lived experience, I think it's pointing to something. It is. But haven't looked at all the variations of splaining. Um, I feel like it's, like gender is not the driver. Um, I, I don't know what the driver is. Um, Maybe gender is a driver, but there's a common driver amongst all of these, you know, that there is this, this top layer but then under it is the core. And we're getting, you know, it look like you're about to heterodox explain us out. <laughs> and I want to make sure that, um, you know, we're, we're wrapping up. So we can talk about that later. I am, I guess I am about to, to yeah. heterodox explain us out. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I, I have no idea whether or not, um, it, I, I, think it, I think it's valuable. I think it's valuable to try to get to the meaning um, that, that's, that's driving the words just so that we don't miss things, just so people aren't hurt, and just so that we, you know, what, like I said earlier, it's like I, I think that there, there can be things that are hiding in a word when, when we don't quite have uh, the real term. Um, but certainly, you know, grandma, you know, teaching grandma to suck eggs is, is not, that's not, not the it. solution here. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I always hope that, that people find some, some value in, in the show. Uh, if you have, please find us on iTunes and uh, rate us accordingly. Uh, if you think this episode sucked, then don't find us on iTunes. Sucked eggs. Right? Yeah. Sucked eggs, right? Uh, and, you know, <laughs> if there's anything that you think we missed or you have some pushback or you think that it's very clearly this other phenomenon or really is a very clearly the thing, we'd like to hear about that too. You can find us on Instagram, Heterodox Americana. Let us know what you think. And thanks for hanging in there with us. Yeah, thanks. See ya. <laughs>